how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. Inspired by the dialogue-heavy screenplays of Quentin Tarantino and Kevin Smith, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead teamed up to create innovative films for hungry audiences. In their new film, The Endless, two brothers return to the cult they fled from years ago to discover that the group's beliefs may be more sane than they once thought. During our conversation, the writer-director duos discuss innovation without confusion, figuring out the facets of a great mystery, thinking of the camera as an omniscient force, how homage is the opposite of innovation, and why filmmakers should stop waiting for others to greenlight their projects. Hi, uh, this is Aaron. I just made a friend named Aaron Higgins, and his older brother Julian um, and him made stop-action films with Star Wars figures, and I just thought it was amazing. I couldn't believe it. And so we just started uh, making silly little stop-action films, and it was it was an instant obsession. Um, I, I think it was that, that was sixth grade, and I think you know it was like I went home and I was like, okay, I think I'm going to be a filmmaker. And uh, this is Justin when I was like 16 years old. Um, I had a friend expose me to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the Blinklater films, some Tarantino films, like Chasing Amy by Kevin Smith. Anyhow, a lot of like really chatty stuff that was very much character driven or, or, or atmosphere driven or tone driven. And, um, I didn't have high enough self-esteem to think that I could make like, like the dinosaurs in Jurassic park, even though I thought they were awesome. I just didn't think it was like, Oh, I, I probably couldn't do that. But when I see people, um, having interesting conversations and, or like, I feel unnerved by tone. I remember like in my 16 year old brain thinking like, Oh, I might be able to do that if I worked really, really, really hard. Where do you guys start with something like this new film, The Endless? you start with an idea? Do you start with dialogue? Where did this idea kind of come from? After our second film, Spring, we had a whole bunch of much larger projects on the table, but we started chasing them um, for a little while too long. We shot Spring at the end of 2013. It came out in 2014, and it was 2016, and we didn't have our next film greenlit. And we realized we were just spending so much time spinning our wheels taking meetings and sending emails and none of them actually seemed all that close to happening um, that, uh, that we realized we'd, we'd stopped being filmmakers and shame on us. And so we, 
we decided to just bootstrap a movie, make a really DIY movie. And we thought, okay, we'll, you know, of course we'll do as much as we possibly can on it, just like uh, Resolution, our first movie in spring. Um, we'll wear a whole bunch of hats. We'll even be in this one. And we'll just sock away some money and spend every dime we have on it and all of that. And uh, and then luckily our our uh, uh, cooler minds prevailed. Uh, our our producer David Lawson was able to find us um, uh, a little bit of financing, and we were able to, to hire a crew and um, and actually make the thing for real. And uh, and it was that combined with a, a desire to return to the mythology of our last film, our first film. Resolution, which you don't have to have seen in order to enjoy and appreciate the endless, but uh, but you will. Uh, it just enriches the experience. But they they intersect each other just a little bit because they share the same mythology. So we got to play around with that same mythology again, which felt great. When you're making a movie that's full of mystery like this, is there a certain formula you look to? Like every so many pages, something should happen in the screenplay. We try to. But we generally just sort of disregard ideas of like, oh, you need this thing to happen, you know, every every few pages, and and just go with the, the general philosophy of oh, just make sure you're keeping it interesting, no matter what that is. It's an interesting conversation, it's an interesting visual, it's, and it's all, you know, serving the greater story, and it's consistent with the character and all that stuff. But um, what we do put a lot of focus on is when we're developing the script. And when we're basically testing edits with people, we like to make sure that comprehension is as high as it can possibly be without being too expositional. Um, so we're not, we're not we're not in the business of, of trying to confuse people. We, we want to give people interesting ideas, and and hopefully they understand most of it. Um, anytime you go make a mystery, you know, I, I, I my, my theory is like the best you can do is that like. 90% of people were satisfied with the amount of mystery that was explained. And then there'll be 5% that are like, why'd you make it so obvious? And there'll be 5% that'll be like, I don't understand anything. I hate you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, but, but hopefully around 90% are like, I got enough of it uh, that, I, that, that I'm satisfied. Did you ever feel like you were writing yourself into a corner or did you always have an end game in mind for the end of the movie? I think uh, for the most part, the uh, the end of the movie is is one of the earlier things decided on because there's um, there are projects that are, that are really fascinating that um, uh, that that are more about the ride than about the end. Of course, you know m- most films are like that, but um, but a lot of the time, if you if you have an idea that you just don't really know where it leads and uh, and just chase it to, to um, uh, to explore it while you're writing the actual project, um, you might end up, as you say, writing yourself into such a corner that that whatever you come up with is going to make the audience's eyes roll. Uh, I think Lost got into that that kind of a, an issue, and um, and so a lot of the times you want to at least take your mystery and figure out as many facets of it as you can, and then figure out how you want to dole that out slowly rather than just in one big burst of exposition. Um, and then, and then I think that's after you've got that done, that's the time for, for exploration. Yeah. I think lost, I think the studio or the, made them kind of go an extra season or two longer than they had intended. 
what else did you guys do in terms of the visual aspects to make this film uh, a little bit more like different? Like, is it a fisheye lens? Is it a three sixty camera? What are some of those shots that are kind of unique to this film? I mean, th- there was one thing that was kind of interesting is that uh, we shot with an anamorphic adapter that basically started to I don't know if melt is the right word, but it, uh, let's just call it melting. Yeah. Um, it, it gravity got the best of it, uh, and um, it ended up sort of distorting the, the image in certain places, just but in, in a way that wasn't too distracting, and in a way that actually ended up looking like a choice. Um, so we so we embraced it and leaned into it. And sometimes those you know those happy accidents happen. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say that's it. And the other thing too is, in general, on our movies, we tend to um, think of the camera as uh, not not a person, but an omniscient force within the film that can uh, sort of wander off on its own and focus on certain things that give the audience additional information or or um, or reinforces the tone of a particular moment. I did notice some of those uh, unique moments in the movie. What were some of the cinematic influences that you guys talked about while writing or making this film? Talk about too many influences just because uh, we, we think that's a bit of a dangerous path to go down for... Um, it, it 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 can end up being at at its most innocent. You can accidentally rip off something that is way greater than yours, and you'll never actually be as great. Uh, and at its least innocent, you can make something that's homage, which is the opposite of innovation. And we're trying to make a film that that was trying to be as uh, as fresh as um, as as we could. But um, we when we talk about uh, other filmmakers that just roll up their sleeves and do it, um, the people that inspired us were, were people like uh, Soderbergh and the Duplass brothers and uh, um, Greta Gerwig and, and things like that, where they uh, don't let almost anything stop them from just going off and making a movie. And, uh, and there's, there's a, a new generation of filmmakers that's doing that more and more too people like Jim Cummings and, uh, and uh, Jeremy Gardner and Christian Stella. And uh, we are just, um, that, that is what I think influences us to go make movies and to not be lazy and not blame other people for not being able to make a movie and all of that. It is almost like surprising that Soderbergh is, is still doing that. He shot Unsane on an iPhone. He just shot that special uh, mosaic on HBO that was like out of order. Um, what what ways are you guys, what do you do to be innovative? Do you avoid, you know, watching movies during a certain part of the creative process or anything like that to make sure you're not like ripping off anything by accident? I mean, we'll often, yeah. we'll, we'll oftentimes between the two of us filter out those things that feel like they might be uh, derivative or homage. Um, that's oftentimes if we're discussing something and someone says, well, that's really similar to this other thing, then they'll just basically go off the table and we won't do it. Uh, so there's that. Um, it's unavoidable, though, that you know certain influences are going gonna, to gonna seep in. Um, but probably things no one would ever guess. In our first movie, Resolution, we were like, really, there was also discussions when we were sound mixing it that we would like, that, you know, the standard for the mix we were going for would be like something like No Country for Old Men. But I don't think anyone watches Resolution and goes like, it really reminds me of No Country for Old Men. It'd be really flattering. <laughs> but, 
what else can you talk about the logistic process of your partnership? Like, do you guys storyboard together? How, how does it all kind of work on a day-to-day basis from like concept to the finished project? We spend a lot of time together. Uh, and, um, and I think that it's, it's odd because you can't put a real pin on, uh, on some of the more specific things because it's just, it's just tiny little data points of, uh, of, you know, either having a drink together and one sentence is like, oh, that was cool. You know, or one thing about a way that we're feeling or a relationship in our life will, will pop in, and then somehow that will filter later on into the script, um, or or performance or whatever. And uh, but I mean, the actual logistics of it are: we, we talk about the film that we want to make, we we sort of outline it, but it's more like a, a scat- it's much more scattershot than than an outline. It's more like okay, every idea that we want in here, let's see what actually turns into a narrative um and then uh and then it's organized and justin uh writes it and we i i develop it like you know like a like an executive would i guess and then um and then we just get all hands on deck where it's like every phone call every person we need to hire every every conversation that needs to be had we just go out and do and have it we do lots and lots of rehearsal uh that's part of the the trick um to, to making our sets smooth and to uh, defining the performances that we want. We, we spend tons of time in rehearsal. And uh, and then we have relatively short sets. The Endless was shot in 17 days uh, very smoothly, thanks to our producer, David Lawson. And um, uh, and then the editing process, we have a third editor. His name is Michael Felker, uh, who puts the film together, puts his, puts his touches on it. Um, we normally give him way too little time and money to do this. And then we... Um, and then we, uh, and then we we take it over from him. We split the movie in half, and I take one half. Justin takes the other. We swap a few times, um, and until we're both pretty happy with it, we bring Michael Felker back in, and uh, and then we lock the edit and we take it into uh, into um, the finishing process, sound and color and visual effects and all that. So with so many movies coming out, and a lot of people who give advice on writing screenplays, they'll they'll actually tell people to write a movie and they'll say like, it's, it's like a bigger die hard or a bigger jaws, which is what's coming out this summer. What advice you have for pitching ideas that are more innovative? Like how do they kind of get those scripts in the right hands? I'd say if you're getting started out and you, your inclination, your, your ambition is to be innovative, that, um, that you don't go pitch it, that you figure out a way to be innovative in a way that you're self-reliant and you're raising the money yourself. Um, yeah, the idea of getting the scripts into the right hands, even even that phrase is a little bit of a red flag if it's your first time. Uh, you know, even even going into, like, our fourth project, you know, we're still going to face a lot more resistance in trying to do innovative material than if we would, you know, for example, go do uh, a zombie movie or a haunted house movie or a post-apocalyptic movie. Um and, 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 and with that, you know, the more traditional ones. Uh, but I would discourage someone from, from, from trying to, almost at any level, be like, I want to be really innovative, um, and I'm going to go pitch it to someone else so they can help me do it financially or getting cast or anything like that. Uh, probably best just to figure out a way where you can do it on your own no matter what. Um, or not, I mean, not on your own. You're always going to have collaborators. But in a way where you're not... Just doing away with the idea that there's some power, there's the powers that be, and they're going to green light it for you. Um, 
that, 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 that you can, if you, with that outlook, you can just end up waiting literally forever. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter. We also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook, How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.